if this continues, he's at risk of alienating his new wife and child. Right, right. If he does not set some good boundaries here, I can pretty much guarantee there is going to come a time where this mom with the new baby is going to be asking for something from dad. And the first mom is going to be asking for something from the kids. And he is going to choose the first mom over the second mom. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be a slippery slope. Yeah. And it's for the dad, it can't be a peaceful place. (laughs) It's never a peaceful place to be stuck in the middle between your former spouse and your current spouse. So let's help him get out of this. This is Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Boyles. We've been working with co-parents in conflict for more than two decades. We've taught classes, written books, counseled parents, empathized, and even agonized occasionally to help people make sense of their complicated families. We were talking one day and it occurred to us that helping the most difficult cases comes down to one simple concept. Is one parent willing to let go of the tug of war rope or is it worth it to hold on and fight? So we invite you to take this journey with us each episode as we tackle the questions, should you hold on or let it go? Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. And hello again, Diane. Hello. We do give practical solutions. But as I'm talking to more and more co-parents, what I'm hearing is we also give validation. Oh, that's powerful. Yes. To be validated. That's good to hear that. So that's sort of our tagline. But at the same time, I think also what we do through these listener questions is help people to feel like they're not the only one going through this. Yeah. That I'm not going crazy. Yeah, And the stories seem to really resonate with people listening. Yeah. Well, because we see them a lot. (laughs) We know you all are going through these things. You don't maybe know that everybody's going through it, but yeah, we see it. We see it a lot. Speaking of listener questions, we have one from an attorney. Her name is Lauren and she's, (laughs) It sounds like, Rick, the question is about her client. She's been able to get her client to listen to our podcast, and she's hoping that we will say some things that she has said to him, but he's not buying it from her. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, you know, no, I, yeah, I've seen that before. The attorney's got a difficult client, and they hope that somebody will say something. Yeah, well, you tell them what I've been telling them, because maybe they'll listen to you, because they don't think I know anything about mental health. Right. So here's her question. She said, my client has a very difficult co-parent. They have been divorced for three years. She constantly writes long, hateful emails to him. And even though he pays lots of child support, she accuses him of not caring about the kids when she asks for something extra, like paying for a special summer camp. He's a good guy, but feels like because he makes more money than her, he is expected to give everything he has to the kids or suffer the consequences of his ex-wife's wrath. He is remarried and has an infant now. His co-parent is educated, but she won't get anything more than a part-time job because she wants to volunteer at the kid's school and do other things for the children. On the other hand, my client's wife would like to stay home with their new baby, but she works so he can afford to pay extra for his three kids. I have advised him that he doesn't owe anything more to her than the court-ordered child support, 
but he gives in to her constantly to keep her quiet. And because he's afraid, she'll turn the kids against him if he doesn't. I worry his new marriage won't survive if he doesn't stop catering to his ex. He doesn't seem to listen to me, but I've gotten him to listen to a couple of your podcasts. So I hope you can help him figure this out. Well, we have heard this story before, haven't we, Rick? Uh, Yes. Yes. And typically more from dads, but maybe that's because dads often make more money than moms, but not always the case. I could see this also being either co-parent being the breadwinner and the other parent being used to them being the breadwinner. I've also seen the opposite where mom and dad get divorced and the dad decides he wants to be a stay-at-home dad because he never really had a good job and the mom was the breadwinner. And Uh even after the divorce, he just expects to be Taken care of. to stay home with the kids, right? right? So, yes, or this could work in same sex couples as well. Is just one whoever makes the most money in the relationship is expected to then continue as they were financially, even though the court has ordered something completely different. So, let's talk about this and maybe give Lauren's client a little insight about how this might be hurting not only his current marriage, but not good for his kids either. Yeah, I think ultimately we're going to be looking at the quality of his boundaries. And that's where we really need to go with this because he is putting himself at risk in many different ways. However, I also want to talk a little bit about this sense that I see where one parent is, like you said, they've Mm -hmm. been taken care of. They want to divorce the other parent, but they want to stay connected to their purse, their wallet. Yes. And they think that, okay, yeah, you're not in my life anymore, but you still need to pay for everything. Yeah. Because that's yours. Yes. Yes. Sometimes, well, you're the one who divorced me, or you're the one who did the dirty deed that caused the divorce. So therefore, I deserve to be able to maintain my lifestyle. Well, that's what the court does is they look at your situation and they determine alimony and child support so that you can maintain whatever lifestyle the court believes that you deserve. But once that's decided, then there's not more that needs to be done. Right. If I think that the children need something, then you should pay for it Yeah. because I should have open access to your bank account and trying to pull those parents apart and tell that you're you're never going to have your life back really until you are financially independent from each other. So yeah, get free. So if we talk about that in terms of what does Lauren's client hold on to and what does he let go of, I think what she's trying to tell him is hold on to the court order, of course, Uh, and follow that, but let go of your fear that somehow if you don't keep doing mom's bidding, that the kids will be turned against you. We say this over and over, but that's going to depend on what kind of father you are, not what she's saying to them or how much money you spend on them. If you keep spending money on them, it'll become a bottomless pit. And I've seen these cases where I have one dad in mind now that did this for so long from the time his kids were 10 to 16. And then when it was time to get a car, the kid was actually saying, well, you deserve to buy me a car because the way you treated mom all those years ago, the kid is then being indoctrinated by that thinking 
that you must pay the rest of your life. And what kind of value lesson is being taught to the children? I kind of want this dad to stand up and even say to his children, I'm following a court order because that's the legal thing to do. And I'm always open to buying extra if it seems necessary, but we have to follow the boundaries. Your mom does, and so do I. And and that might not make them happy, but it teaches a value about setting and keeping boundaries as well. Yes. I would much prefer him to, rather than give mom the money she's asking for, then go out and provide the thing that they're going to be participating in provide it yourself and pay for it for them. Don't give it. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's, I don't know what the court order said exactly, but sometimes there's a feeling from the parent who feels the victim of the other parent that I shouldn't have to go to work. I always wanted to be a stay at home mom or dad. So I should be able to just live my life as if divorce never happened. Yes. (laughs) And unfortunately that's just not how it works. No. You might have to go support yourself. You may, I mean, alimony usually exists to sustain someone for a time so they can get on their own two feet, right? But right. then it's typically expected that you'll go take care of yourself. And of course, it's not the ideal, but divorce is never the ideal. There's a whole lot of risk here that he is not taking into consideration. If this continues, he's at risk of alienating his new wife and child. Right, right. Because it already sounds from this email like the new wife is probably a little frustrated. (laughs) Why does she get to stay home and work a part-time job? And maybe she doesn't feel that way, but obviously the attorney is concerned about that. And this is what her client has told her about his personal situation. Well, here's one thing I could see happening in the future. If he does not set some good boundaries here, what we talk about is healthy divorcing boundaries, which basically means that parent has their life, you have your life. It's okay to be friendly with each other, but you probably shouldn't go and be friends because it's going to create problems with the new relationships. I can pretty much guarantee there is going to come a time where this mom with the new baby is going to be asking for something from dad. And the first mom is going to be asking for something from the kids. And he is going to choose the first mom over the second mom. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be a slippery slope. Yeah. And it's for the dad, it can't be a peaceful place. (laughs) It's never a peaceful place to be stuck in the middle between your former spouse and your current spouse. So let's help him get out of this. We've talked a lot in the past about why it's so important to change your relationship with the former spouse right out of the gate. And I think maybe using a couple of other examples, because this isn't the only example of this. So for example, She calls and says, I'm stuck on the freeway. My car has had a flat tire. I've got the kids in the car. I need to get them to school. Will you come and fix my flat tire? Uh huh. And we always said, we know that you want to do that because you're the dad and your kids are in the car and that's understandable. But the more you rescue this person that you're divorcing, Mm -hmm. or maybe even after the divorce that you've already divorced, the more they will come to expect your rescuing. 
and it will just perpetuate forever and ever. And then when it's time for you to have a girlfriend or a significant other, you're going to shut that down because they're going to say, you've been divorced for two years and you're still rescuing her. Exactly. And then when you do, your first spouse is going to freak out. Oh, you don't love your kids now. You know? Right. You should be fixing my car. Mm-hmm. What we always said is go to the scene where the car is with a flat tire, pick up the kids, take them to school and tell mom, call AAA. They'll yep. come fix your tire. I will do what I'm supposed to do as a parent, right? Yeah. Which would be to come rescue my children so they get to school on time. Not going to rescue you. Now, I know you've told stories like this too about going into the home. And yes, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah. So, yeah, you're going over there and you're cutting the grass and it's your house or we used to be your house. And so you're doing repairs and you're fixing the dishwasher right? That dishwasher is broken again. Oh, I know what's wrong. I'll come over and fix it. Well, there's going to come that day when you've got that new relationship, you're headed out the door with your tools and they're going to go, wait, where are you going? Oh, I'm going over to my exes to fix the dishwasher. And they're looking and at she's thinking we have a bad washing machine right. sitting there for a month. You haven't fixed it. Yeah. You spend more time <laughs> over there fixing things than you spend here with me. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's going to be confronted with that because here's what often happens. The new relationship starts to feel like a second-class citizen. Yeah. Like they have yeah. to put the needs of the other parents and the other children way above their needs. Right. And they keep taking a back seat and they keep taking a back seat and they keep taking a back seat. And it'll finally something snaps. Let's talk about what the motivation is, though, for the parent to rescue. I think it sets a precedence when the divorce is going on. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, I'll be nice so that she'll be nice and we won't have a lot of conflict or I'll get what I want from the divorce or I'll get the time I want with the kids or the child support figure that I'm asking for as long as I stay nice. So I'll go over there and fix the dishwasher and that'll keep her happy. But if that sets a precedent for the future, then yep. even after the divorce, the other parent is prone to say, don't you care that your kids have clean dishes <laughs> yes. or they have a decent car to ride in or Get to school on time. Yeah. If you cared about the kids, you'd come mow the lawn because I don't know how to do it. And then you're going to feel like, okay, well, now I have to do it for a different reason. Hmm. Right. And like you said, Rick, when anytime you provide something to someone free of charge, they come to expect it. It's really hard to take away. Yeah. (laughs) You start enabling. Yeah. 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 And then you begin to do it just because of the thought of the pain of taking it away and having that conflict. So Mm -hmm. I'll just keep doing it. And all you're doing is perpetuating this enabling sort of taking advantage of behavior. But I've also seen this. I mean, right now we're talking about, oh, I want to minimize the conflict. But I often use this story as a warning to the cooperatives. They're so cooperative and it's so amicable and they're so helpful for each other. And yeah, going over there is good. I enjoy it. It's fine. And then they get a new relationship and suddenly things get strained all the way around. And in that case, those parents erroneously think they have to go to those extents because that's why the kids are so happy. Right. And that's really not true because the research tells us that Kids who have 
parents who do the parallel style of co-parenting do just as well in the long run as kids who have cooperative parents. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be ultra cooperative for your kids to do it well. What kids need is for you to not be in conflict. Yes. And you can have a parallel style and be very civil and respectful of one another in your communication and your kids will do great. So there's this error in thinking that we have to go on vacations together. We have to always be there for one another. We have to fix things in each other's house, be there when you're in the hospital, whatever it is that you think you have to do for each other in order to pretend for the kids. <laughs> We're all great, even though we got a divorce, which by the way, kids are smarter than that. You know, kind of <laughs> makes them go, if we're all great. Why do we have to go back and forth between two houses? That stinks. Yeah. Right? But I understand, that I, and I love it when parents are cooperative. That's great, but you don't have to go overboard. And you're right, even in cooperative situations, when a new person comes on, they're going, what? You do what? <laughs> yes. I'm over here with my ex, and we do fine, but we don't go that far, and our kids are doing okay. So yeah. why do we have to go to this extent? Now, you mentioned vacation. Actually had two parents that going through the divorce wasn't finalized yet, but for that very same intention, you know, make it easier for the kids, a smoother transition. They had decided they were going to continue the tradition of family vacation every summer. And again, great intentions, but they failed to take into account what's the vacation going to look like on that year that you have a new partner in your life. What, right. and what are you going to say? The, the kids are going to say, what do you mean we're not going together? Yeah. And you're going to say, well, things are different now. And guess what? The kids are going to hate that new step-parent. Right. Because that, they're going to blame them. Oh, we had this good thing going. And then you came in the great interloper. Yeah, right? exactly. And ruined it all for us. Yeah. And I yes. bet you're going to have a hard time finding a new partner that's going to be willing to go on vacation with you and your ex. That just seems yeah, it's possible. asking too Maybe much. Maybe they have the same kind of relationship, but oftentimes it's just a little too close for comfort. Very unlikely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listeners, how would you like to become a non-impossible VIP? Well, it's easy. Just go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cpdilemmas. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash cpdilemmas. You'll get a special invite to our monthly live Q&As with Rick and me, where you will have the opportunity to ask questions and get real-time advice. You'll also receive non-impossible merchandise credits through our Facebook page, as well as my book, The Co-Parent Toolbox, in an ebook version. If you're a professional who works with co-parents, becoming a VIP means a monthly mention on our show. So all of this is for only $10 a month. So get connected more personally through Patreon. Thanks for listening. So let's get back to Lauren's client now, now that we've said all that and kind of put this in perspective, that this is a common issue, but in different ways. And it's not just about money, but you can feel this guilt-driven kind of need to take care of the other parent because you're being convinced by doing that, you're somehow then being a good parent to your kids. Right. And we need to separate that out. Being a Definitely. good parent to your kids has nothing to do with the other parent. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So for this person, I hate that we don't know his name, so I just keep calling him Lawrence. Let's call him Joe. So for Joe, let's say that 
he probably needs to take his attorney's advice. Not probably. He absolutely needs to take uh, his yes. attorney's advice and tell his ex-wife that I understand that you would like for the children to go to this camp. I'm willing to negotiate that, but you said it's $800 and I don't even have $400 right now to contribute to that. So mm-hmm. we might have to say no. And it really is okay to say no to your kids. Yeah. Something tells me this might not even be the kid's idea. It's more mom's idea because <laughs> she's just trying to suck a bunch of money out of this guy. You, right? you need to go. Yeah. yeah. And the kids are going, I don't want to go to that dumb camp. And she's like, yes, you are. And your dad needs to pay for it. So we don't know any of that, but it really is okay to say, I don't have the money. You certainly don't want to put it on credit cards that you can't pay off and no. get yourself in debt just to do something like this. And I think you need to start making your new wife a priority. That doesn't mean your kids are second to her. No. It just means she's a priority over your ex. Yes. Right. You got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> your kids are definitely a priority, but the court has already worked out how much of a priority they are financially. And his new wife you know. probably will participate in making his kids a priority. Sure. She, I can't sure. see her ever participating in the first wife being a priority. That's yeah. just so never the way I fly. look at it. You pay your court ordered child support when the kids are with you. If you feel like contributing more to them, buying them a new yeah. pair of shoes, then go for it. If you've yeah. got the money to do it, I'm not a fan of saying to your kids, Well, I pay your mom child support, so therefore she buys the shoes. I don't like that. You don't need to say that, you know, that's where you just say your mom and I will work it out because the $200 shoes are a bit much, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I think you can be as flexible around that as you want to, but in the end, you really do want to teach your kids. There's a limit to finances and there's a limit to what each parent can contribute. And that's actually a good lesson to teach them. So you can begin to say, thank you for asking, but I'm not able to do that at this time. Mm-hmm. And then she'll show right back and go, well, I can't believe you're not doing that. You're the worst parent in the world. The kids are going to suffer because of you. And then you write back, thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm not able to do that at this time. And then she might get another one. And if you want, you can try it a third time. And then I think I would just drop it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's all you really need to say about it. And if that causes you a lot of guilt, maybe go talk through this with a therapist to kind of, it sounds like this woman may have beaten you down a little bit, maybe even the marriage that you're just not good enough ever. And trust me, there's never going to be enough money that you can give her that will stop her anger. Never. You can't buy that kind of peace. So that's her personal therapy issue of after three years, she's still so angry that she's sending you angry, hateful emails. That's her issue. As long as you're not the one who's promoting that with Mm -hmm. your own anger, right? (laughs) But something tells me if you just become confident in your position, I only have so much pie that I can share with these two families. And I'm already sharing a piece of the pie that the court said I was supposed to share. Mm -hmm. And she needs to get some work to cover the $800 camp if that's what she wants. If she really wants it, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, Lauren, I hope that's helpful. And Joe, or whatever your name is, uh, (laughs) I hope you (laughs) listen to this and take it to heart. We have enough experience, I think, and I've seen these kind of cases enough to know that when you do that, it will bring you a lot of peace. It's not going to make her better or make her want to email you less 
but you'll know what you're going to do. And I think that's most of the battle with this kind of anxiety. As long as I know what I'm going to do when she does X, Y, and Z, then it doesn't matter when she does X, Y, and Z. I know what my response is going to be ahead of time and talk through it with your wife. And there may be unique circumstances and things we're not aware of here that you and your wife can determine what, if any, extra you want to give to your children, but that should not be negotiated with your ex-wife. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. All right. Good question. Thank you, Lauren. And we'd like to hear from other professionals as well. I think there's a lot to learn both ways. Professionals can learn from parents and parents can also learn from the professionals. So we like questions from both. Yes. All right. Very good. Very good. Talking with you again, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, before the COVID lockdown, I never thought that I would do online therapy with my clients, but I actually found it to be very satisfying for both of us. BetterHelp is customized online therapy just like that, that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Co-Parent Dilemma listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dilemma. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dilemma, D-I-L-E-M-M-A. If you received something valuable out of this episode, please let us know. That really helps us to know what's important to you. Or if you have a question about your co-parent dilemma, please call our voicemail number at 1234-DILEMMA. You can also email us at 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Or better yet, access us on our listener Facebook page where we engage in lots of discussion about what we say on these episodes. Just search Facebook for non-impossibles. No matter how you communicate with us, if you don't feel comfortable using your real name, just let us know. We understand. The information contained in this podcast is generic. It must not be misconstrued as constituting legal or psychological advice. Decisions relevant to any specific individual, family system, or case require the direct evaluation of skilled, child-centered professionals. 